What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Do you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Fox creeping forward. He pulls up. 18-footer. Aaron Fox puts the Kings on top. Makes one, stakes twice. Gives the belly. 35-foot three for the win. Nibania, Bielitsa. We deserve this win, man. When we're done, we can go chop it up, eat, golf, whatever you want to do. For 40, 48 minutes, I ain't about them games. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here as we always do. Post-draft. Recorded the night of. How you feeling, Rich? How you doing, man? Yeah, I'm doing great. I am doing great. If I drank, I would be drunk. I don't drink. But I actually do feel a little bit drunk because I'm very tired. I did not sleep last night, like, basically at all. It's been a long day, and I still got some writing ahead of me. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, just crushed it. I mean, just crushed it. My God. Yeah, so they come away with, to recap it. Or well, let's go Let's go pick by pick, I guess, and get reactions to this. No, so pick 12, let's, right? Let's, let's drop the recap real, real, real quick, and then also... Okay. Just talk about the bogey thing for just a second and then move on because I don't want to talk about it and there's no point in talking about it, but we just need to acknowledge it okay. for anyone that's like doesn't know what's going on. All right, well, let, let's start with the bogey thing then. So it, it was announced, this is a couple of days ago now, maybe even just yesterday, um, two days when you're hearing this recording that Bogdan Bogdanovich, there was a sign-in trade in place to move him to Milwaukee for Dante DiVincenzo, DJ Wilson, and Ersan Ilyasova. And since then, there has been some some backtracking going on, you know, potentially saying that Bogey hadn't agreed to this or – and, you know, there's very much potential that this is one of the teams, both of them uh, – either one looking to kind of stay faced from a tampering issue since, you know, free agency doesn't open up for three days, yet apparently there's already this sign-and-trade in place, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, we have no idea what's going on. I don't – I honestly don't think that anybody does. Like, we see, you know, Windhorse on, on, on ESPN saying he doesn't know what's going on. Um, it seems like the people at The Athletic – don't really know what's going on. There's speculation abound. Um, Jason Anderson at the B, I think, may have caught this a little bit early and was suggesting that there is no deal. 
And then, but then we don't even know if that's correct either. Or I mean, I guess it's correct because the deal isn't done. But then also, deals are are like under the table done before they're officially done. So I don't know. Um, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, I I honestly just want to table it until we know more. What do you think? I'm totally good with doing that and really just focusing on these three draft picks that Sacramento managed to bring in um, today. Yeah, they they walked in to the draft with picks 12, 35, 43, and 52 and ended up selecting at 12, trading from 35 to 40 as well as gaining an additional second rounder, picking at 43 and trading away pick 50 for a future second and a little bit of cash. But the three selections at 12, Tyrese Halliburton fell to Sacramento, pick 40, Robert Woodard the second, and pick 43, Jamias Ramsey. Rich, I think both you and I had all three of these guys as first-round talents, top 30 players, no? We absolutely did. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible. Um, I was really prepared to get zero of my top 30 guys tonight. Um, that felt much more on brand for the Kings, but this is a new Kings. I, I mean, okay, just walking through it, like we've been talking about it forever. Someone, we're just praying that someone of, of, of the top 11, of the consensus top 11 falls, and that happened. But we we're also like even more worried that if it did happen, that the Kings wouldn't pick that guy, but they did. And it's Tyrese Halliburton, which is awesome. Did we both – where did you have him on your on your big board at the end? I had him at nine. Yeah, so we're both top ten. I had him number seven. Yeah. Vecini had him eight. Uh, Kevin O'Connor had him nine. Like, uh, I think most people feel like this is great value for Sacramento. You know, it looked like it was going to be one of him or Vassell, and Vassell went 11 right there. I mean, Halliburton is just a great complimentary player and, you know, a theme throughout a lot of these guys, or actually every single draft pick, they're all ridiculous three-point shooters. Bryant West had him seven as well. Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't even know... Yeah, I, there there's some um, there's some variations of of like what consensus is. I saw the athletic put out a consensus, uh, which is like I don't even know who they were drawing from, and I couldn't really quite figure it out. Um, there's an awesome NBA draft Twitter consensus big board out there. He was eighth on that. Um, I mean, here's what I'll say: is like I think like universally. As close as to universal as you can get, uh, I think he's a universal top ten player in this in this uh, yeah. class. And Kings got him twelfth. And, and the guy that jumped into the top eleven to make this possible was Jalen Smith going to Phoenix, which is crazy to me. I think it's completely crazy. It's I mean it's very reminiscent of what they did last year, drafting a, a shooter. Yeah. I was projected to be like a late first, or yeah, you know, really reaching for a shooter. Yeah, when Vassell and Halliburton are both guys that I thought would be really good there. Um, yeah, I mean, Sacramento just gets tremendous value here, and 
you know, assuming that one of Buddy or Bogey, it still seems like Bogey's going to be out one way or another, whether it's Milwaukee or not. Like, you know, instantly when you hear that Bogey's not on this roster, it's like, okay, well, who's going to be the secondary playmaker behind Fox? And Halliburton probably walks in as, you know, would you say, like, he comes in as the best passer on the King, like Kings? Like, he's a, he's a great playmaker. Uh, I mean, he's like, what's, it's crazy how similar he is to Bogdanovich in a lot of ways. Um, no comps are perfect, obviously, and, and maybe all comps are bad. But, I mean, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. This, like, the yeah. size is very similar. Uh, Bogdanovich, obviously, he's filled out a lot more. He's a lot older. He's been a pro for a lot longer. Um, I think that Halliburton could get close. I don't think his frame is quite as good. Mm-hmm. My my differences would probably be like Bogey's more of an off the dribble shooter, while Halliburton is more of a uh, defensive off ball playmaker. Yeah, I mean, I think that both can be plus shooters. I understand what you're saying, where like Bogdanovich likes to cook a little bit more, um, create his own shot, but I don't know. I I don't think that that Halliburton can't do that. I don't think he's going to – he's not going to, like, go into the mid-range so much. Um, but as far as, like, just uh, sort of a sidestep or a step back and, and shoot it from the perimeter, I don't think that he is unable to do that. Um, he'll be better uh, off catch and shoot, but Bogdanovich was really good off – you know, like, that's, like, kind yeah. of it, – it, as far as his role with the team, like, he did a lot of that too. Yeah, he really did, and just to run through Halliburton's sophomore year numbers, yeah, 15 points, 6.5 assists, uh, just under 6 rebounds a game, 2.5 steals on 50% from the field, 41% from 3 on 5.6 attempts a game, and 82% from the free throw line. We get to watch a lot of this wonky form, but it works. It goes in. yeah, I mean, the spacing that he's going to be able to provide alongside Fox, I, I think, is solid. And do you buy Halliburton guarding twos? Because, I mean, he'd probably be the one to do it over Fox, right? For sure, I buy him to, guarding twos, for yeah. sure. I think he's got, um, I would say, pretty close to standard, standard plus height and wingspan for twos. Probably, uh, probably like a standard plus height. In a standard six, five or six seven wings is the Vecini's listing. Probably stand, probably probably like league average uh, wingspan for a shooting guard. A little bit plus on the height and a significant minus in terms of weight. But I think that he can he can maybe improve that to I don't know like just below average there or a little bit not like devastatingly below average there. Mm-hmm. And at that point, like as an overall physical profile like I think he's just a straight ahead like yeah I I mean I'm in love with with Halliburton falling to Sacramento I think that yeah I mean all the reports of him just being an extremely intelligent guy right and and he obviously is very well spoken from all the reports just a, a great person on top of being a a solid role player and just to have this like I, I really want to focus on like his his off ball defense. I, I really think that he's a playmaker in regards to 
being in the right place at the right time and especially getting those steals jumping in passing lanes and just his basketball IQ really benefits him on the offensive end with the playmaking, but then you also see that shine on the defensive end with those steals and being in the right spots. Yeah, I think the difficulty with Sacramento for a really long time is we, you know, the Kings have had two shooting guards and neither one has like been able to play starter level defense. Um, And it's kind of led to this switching out, like, you know, who's got the hot hand, who's better coming off the bench, who's, it's it's been kind of a nightmare. It's been kind of a, a roller coaster of who does Buddy defend? You know, who does Bogey defend? It's, I think at times we felt there's a little bit of upside from Heald there, and then that's really gone away, and it's been it's been tough. And then at times we feel like Bogey's had a little bit of an upside there, but both have been negative guarding twos, and I don't know, pretty seriously negative guarding ones and threes. So switching on up or down, and I think Halliburton can be a legit plus defender on twos and a solid switcher one through three. Yeah, I think there's definitely a case for that. Um, You know, I think that I'm going to spend a lot of time watching probably most of the college games for all three of these guys, and we can dive into the fit a little bit more as we have probably about a month until the season ends. Um, Is there more you want to touch on with Halliburton before we kind of move on to what are the best career of Buddy Hield, Bogdan Bogdanovich, or Tyrese Halliburton? Man, it's not Buddy. Um, I mean, I really think Halliburton can be the best player there. I, I, really I mean, any of them can be. Who do you think will be? Yeah. Um, but I know what you mean. But but I'm just gonna turn the screws. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think, buddy. I, I mean, I'll, I'll go with Halliburton because I, I think he's the one on there that really can be an impactful player on both ends of the floor. Yeah, I don't think that's crazy at all. I don't think that's crazy at all. Yeah. So, then Sacramento has pick 35 going into uh, the draft, all the way up until we see the tweet from Yeah, what was going – what was this about, man? Sacramento had the weirdest draft when it came to that. Twice, there's no news, and then all of a sudden the pick comes up, and it says pick 35, which is owned by Sacramento, Memphis selects Xavier Tillman. And then there's just no explanation. Like Dallas picks Dallas picks Tyler yeah. Bay after that yeah. at 36, Xavier, and Xavier that comes Tillman. out. Um, Memphis selects Tillman. Oh, no, 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 oh, I know sorry, what you mean. Yeah. Like, uh, so, yeah, he's from, from Xavier. But, yeah, like they would just put a different team making the pick, and they would not address it for, like, legit – a long time. Like, <laughs> we had like five minutes, and we're like, so did Sacramento take him? Was there a trade? Was no one on? knew what was going on. No one was reporting it. No one had any idea. And then, like, I saw, like, a James Hammond tweet at one point. This one, I think, was about pick 52. But he was like, looks as if the Kings moved out of 52, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> like, no one knew what was going on. Uh Right, but yeah. Um, what do you think about this value? So, so thirty-five. Okay, uh, first of all, Tillman. Did you want Tillman? 
When I thought it was Tillman, I, I was fine with it. I, I like that pick. I think that Tillman is um, could give you like late first value, but yeah, I mean you've definitely I, I've, I'm with you that centers are a lower value here, and I definitely prefer to a Bayer Woodard. And even at 35, I thought that either a Bayer Woodard was was pretty good value there, and I like that value better than than Tillman. So to move down five spots and pick up what is the 2022 second rounder. I mean, it, it's, you know, that, that second rounder is probably whatever, but to gain another asset for what I thought already would have been a good pick for where you're sitting at 35, I think is just good business from the Kings. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm super happy with Robert Woodard the second from uh, Mississippi state, six, eight, seven, one wingspan, again, a 42.9% guy from three this season um, on 2.3 attempts. And yeah, I saw, I saw you tweeted out and I'm totally with you. I think that there's real potential of a promising Marvin Bagley fit here. Absolutely. He's the type of guy you want to play the four in a small ball center system. Um, so if you're going to have one, one sort of non-shooting big man, uh, he's kind of a perfect four in that situation. Um, let me just say on Tillman, I never thought Tillman was a pick because I just assumed that Shams' tweet was right. And I, and I, and then, like, everyone in the chat uh, at King's Herald was, like, uh, so excited about Tillman. And I'm like, I actually don't want Tillman. Um, so, I mean, as you know, we went over it this morning, but – by the way, anyone out there who's listening to this, you can check out Twitter for our full live stream breaking down our entire big boards, all 60 dudes. I went to 75 and really got into tall grass. Um, but, but yeah, I didn't want Tillman. And uh, I think he's going to be a solid player, a good player. I don't think the fit is good. He is an older player. He is, I think, like a ready-made player, like a plug, you know, Plug and play in a system with more spacing, and and the Kings aren't that. And Woodard is such a more modern fit for Marvin Bagley. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball and Basketball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion, we'll go six-time NBA champion, Robert Ory. See what they had to say and what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Woodard had some promising moments of weak side rim protection, I thought, and just solid rotations and verticality, and he has an okay... Uh, vertical athleticism to him as well. And, you know, I will say that while there was this 42% from three, 
on it's a total of 70 attempts on the year in his freshman season he only was 27 percent from three 44 attempts and from the free throw line in his sophomore season shot 64 percent so there is some skeptics of his three-point shot but I think it looks fine and you're actually going to see a little bit of a similar thing with Jemias Ramsey where again actually very similar 42 percent uh, 42% from three, yet 64% from the free throw line. But, I mean, I buy both of these guys as three-point shots. Yeah, I mean, I don't buy them as, like, um, set in stone, but I, I certainly buy the upside. Like, yeah, not as, bit. like, 42% yeah. guys in the league or anything. No, I mean, what are you saying? Like, I, I'm just saying, you know, they were 42% each of them from three in college. I, I don't think that they're that level of shooter, but I do think that, you know, you, you're working with 37 38% three-point shooters here, possibly. No. I mean, generally, I think it doesn't translate like that. I Generally, I, I expect uh, your, your shooting to actually be worse uh, in in the pros with the line extending – I know we can go the other way with, at times, um, but I think that's more of a volume game. If you were like one of the one of the few shooters on a team and you're taking a ton of shots, then it's the enhanced spacing that you want in the NBA. But for these guys who were already pretty much taking, I guess Ramsey might fall into that category, but Woodard's taking like you know, spaced catch and shoot stuff. So I'm definitely. Like I'm looking at that it's going to be more like 35 to 37. Um, like that's where I would expect. And I think like if you know, I'm, I'm certainly buying the chance for upside. So if he's a 38, 39 guy, then you've got like a real, real exciting guy. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we're we're too far off there. And obviously the size of Woodard is just extremely appealing there. I think that's part of the reason that. Him and Bay snuck into my first round as we were kind of wrapping up here. They were two of the final wings that were really on the board. And there's a quote from Monty after um, paraphrasing, but pretty much saying they were taking the best player available at most of these spots. And, I mean, it was pretty close to my best player available too when when they were making these selections. Yeah, it – yeah – uh, before each pick, I tweeted out, like, this is what my board would be like if I were the Kings, and both these picks were the top of my board. For the Like, I, I couldn't believe it. I legit, I was like, the Kings should pick this player, and then they did, and I was like, just, oh, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. The Ramsey one really put me over the edge. I was like, wow, that they, was, they actually yeah. did this. Let's get to it. That one's next. 43, just a few picks later. This is a guy that we have been, like, I think dangerously high on, I would say. A lot of uh, low-end outcome potential for Ramsey. Uh, The free throw percentage is abysmal. It's, like, one of the strangest, you know, like, what is it, 42% from three, 64% from free throw stripes, something like that. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. Scary. And then also, like, the defensive lapses are legit horrifying. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's also super young, 19 years old. 
He also scores in buckets. I mean, scores in bunches. Uh, I mean, gets buckets in bunches, whatever I'm trying to say here. Uh, he can really run it up on you. And uh, he, he, I mean, we talked about kind of on-ball creators as, like, good dart throws, as good rolls of the dice. Um, like, for instance, we had him, like, way above and guys like Tillman who are complementary pieces. Um, and even, I mean, Ramsey could be, it's probably going to be that anyway, but there's a chance that he could be the featured guy in a particular lineup, right? Yeah, I think that there's going to be stretches of him heating up and potentially doing that. You know, what I what I buy for his floor is is this three point shot. Even though there's a little bit of a funky free throw percentage, I do buy him being a, a catch and shoot three point shooter at very least. And I think that he does a really good job of understanding spacing and utilizing his his shooting threat off of the ball. But yeah, where the the potential is in in a guy like this, you know, one of the younger players in the draft, there's going to be a lot of swing skills. And and to me, the three that stand out the most are his playmaking in the pick and roll, which is a combination of just like a loose handle and a vision that needs improvement. But these are things that, you know, you saw flashes of and you mentioned him being very young. Um, And then, yeah, those those defensive lapses. There were moments of using the, the solid physical tools that he has and being a, a good defender and getting through screens and even his his primary physical tool, I'll say that I don't think he's the quickest guy um, when it comes to acceleration and first step, but he's a very good vertical athlete, and I think his top speed is pretty solid when you're talking transition, um, but the lateral quickness isn't phenomenal or anything like that. So it's really these defensive lapses and then kind of the handle that I feel like are – are going to be the big swing things. But, you know, you have a shooter that you're working with here that I really think, you know, when you get him in transition is going to be to be valuable. And, yeah, I, I mean, upside as a 3 and D player that, like you're saying, also has some, some stock that you could put into potentially maybe shooting off the bounce. Like, I, 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 the upside is totally there with Ramsey, but there's also a chance this is a player that just ends up with a horrible feel for the game, and that's why – you know, he was available in the spot that he was at. Yeah. I don't know that I really view him as a 3 and D guy. Um, I get where you're coming from because I definitely buy the catch-and-shoot three-point stuff, and I definitely buy the, I guess, effort um, in man defense. But in a, I think that there's a – certain type of like a low usage um, and it is a certain type of decision making that comes with the 3 and D archetype that I don't think he has and and more I guess like I don't know better decision making in perimeter defense but mm-hmm. I see him as more of like a, an on ball creator I mean de- he's definitely going to be really really quality shooting um, off the catch, but I see him as more of like a bench unit on ball creator um, type of guy, like high usage, maybe questionable IQ, shot IQ, you know, just taking a lot, like chucking it. You know what I I've mean? I've seen like a J.R. Smith comp. That's not a great comp. I mean, that's like, that's a scary comp. Yeah. 
Right. right I think that, yeah. A, a, a microwave guy at times, right? That's not, I mean, that, yeah, I mean, it's a good comp. It's like, a, it's just scary, right? Right. Um, yeah, and I also think one thing that stuck out to me about him, and it kind of reminds me of Cole Anthony in this way, and in general, the archetype isn't, like, too far off from a Cole Anthony archetype. It's just a lot lower uh, on that same kind of spectrum. He has um, some really nice flashes. I don't even know if you mentioned this, but I'm, like, falling asleep. It's, like, midnight right now. I've had a long day. But he has some really nice flashes of interior rim protection for a guy his size. Like, he gets up and uh, and really helps around the rim when he wants to, when he's engaged, which is just surprising. You know those those guards that just, like, it's like this guy's 6'3", 6'4", and he just, like, came across the – uh, we excited to help uh, on this drive and just like stuffed this dude who's got like five inches. Like those highlight plays are there. Yeah, it definitely is with him. And I think that he, there's just some guards that are more comfortable playing down low. Like I think Texas Tech did a good amount of switching and that put him on big guys. And yeah, I mean, he has almost double the amount of rebounds that he does as assists. Like I think he did a solid job boxing out some bigger bodies and. Yeah, he's just not afraid to to kind of get on the glass and, and bang down low a little bit. But yet on the offensive end, the lack of a first step kind of limits him getting to the rim sometimes. Like I think that you know his two point percentage, forty five percent, is obviously not not a great number that you're working with there. And a lot of that is just a finishing um, improvement that's needed, as well as the handle to actually get to the rim as well. For sure, for sure. Um, but overall, very happy with the pick. Uh, very, very happy with the pick. Very controversial pick, I think, like in terms of just looking at that Twitter mock draft uh, consensus or that Twitter consensus big board, like, you know, his range uh, is like from 10th to 75th on people's boards. Wow. So, like, really wide range. But he, he ends up, you know, averaging out to 40th, which is that plus value there. And I think draft Twitter is lower on him than like the experts in general. Um, and then the final move of the night was 52 being traded for a million dollars cash. Sounds nice. And uh, uh, next year's Lakers second round pick, which could be very, very, very late. Yeah, probably around the same sort of spot. I mean, you know, we knew that Sacramento, I I think this was pretty obvious that this was going to happen. It's funny, it was another situation where, you know, our understanding was that the pick was going to be made by Sacramento at 52. And up until the moment that the tweet came out and it said Houston was selecting, uh, forget exactly who it was at 52 here, Kenyon Martin Martin Jr. Jr. Yeah, I don't think you ever slayed at all. No, I had no interest. Um, Yeah, there were still some interesting guys at 52, I will say, like Cassius Stanley, I mean, Jay Scrub. I swear, if they would have taken Jay Scrub, you and I would have gone crazy in this draft. Uh, But Grant Riller, Paul... I would have lost my shit. It would have been... If, Jay, if they got Jay Scrub at 55. That's what I feel like this was. Like, obviously, I'm thrilled. Obviously, this is an A draft, like, pretty much A-plus draft. I, I'm not going to give pluses in my piece for the B, but basically an A-plus draft. I'll say A draft because if Jay Scrub 
It was 52. It's an A+. Plus. Um, it feels like to me like you have like – so sorry to go with the baseball analogy. I know everyone hates baseball and it's boring. But <laughs> uh, to go with like a baseball analogy, it's like you had four plate appearances and it was like you went three for three with a walk where like you could have gone four for four, but like still really good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that I'm super satisfied with the way Sacramento came out of this, and a lot of it has to do with Halliburton falling, but, I mean, you still have to make that pick. And, yeah, I think great great values at, at 40 and 43. You have a Cini for Woodard had him 28, and Kevin O'Connor had him 20. And then for Ramsey, Vecini was 45, and Kevin O'Connor was 37. Um yeah, I mean, I think Sacramento had one of the better drafts. Some of the other ones that come to mind are are Memphis, um, Dallas, and Philadelphia had, had pretty good nights that they were working with as well. And, yeah, Boston and Detroit, probably two of the the lower-level ones for me. Man, that Peyton Pritchard pick. Oh. Look at look – at, oh. Boston had the worst draft ever. I'm so – I can't believe they took uh, – You've, you, I can't believe that you're a Boston Celtics fan, and you should officially change. You should officially change your fandom to Sacramento Kings after this draft. What a terrible draft! Disgraceful. Absolutely. Talk about your draft. Yeah, I, I mean to go. I don't know what you're talking about. My draft. We just talked about my draft. For Are a while. you a Celtics fan? No, I'm a Kings fan. What do you mean? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So the Celtics take. Um, at 14, Aaron Neesmith with Maxie still on the board. Maxie fell to 21, by the way. Um, you hate Aaron Neesmith. You, he is, if there's anyone yeah, on the yeah. entire in the entire draft that you were lower on than consensus, would you have him like? Did you even have him in your first round? Yeah, yeah. No, I did. Um, let me let me pull it up here. But I think he was at 27. 27, Jesus. And then yeah. you and then you Pritchard, Pritchard was in my top 60? No. And he yeah. went 26. When I saw Pritchard's name, I died laughing. That was... They gave it a B on the ringer and, and Did they talked. Did really? oh. Yeah, of course. Bill Simmons fucking oh, loves right, the pick. Right. You know yeah. he does. Oh, God. With, with Grant Riller on the table. Grant Riller and Peyton Pritchard needed to switch draft spots. Peyton yeah. Pritchard going 26 and Grant Riller going 56? Watch Grant Riller have a better career than Charlotte's other guard. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I don't Man. Uh, who was the third one? You just traded it straight up for... Um, I, I think that they did end up taking Yamadar. They did. They, they Gross. Yamadar at 47. Um, yeah, what did they, they trade 34? They traded 30 to Memphis for – I actually never figured out exactly what it was for, but they traded away Desmond Bain. They traded away what probably would have been, like, one of their best picks. It would have been your preferred pick out of those three. I think I actually have Bain higher than Neesmith. Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they traded away my favorite player out of this group. That's pretty great. That's hilarious. Pretty great for a future um, pick. Yeah, yeah, it looks like a future pick. Here. Dallas came out of this like crazy to me. Dallas is Western Conference Finals to get Josh Green, 
Tyrell Terry, Tyler Bay, and Josh Richardson tonight and only giving up Seth Curry. That, that's insane. Yeah, that's legit crazy talk. And Luka's going to take another step, and mm-hmm. they'll, they'll go to the uh, – yeah. yeah. Maybe the finals. Come on, beat, beat, beat L.A. Yeah. Man. Man. Yeah, but overall, great night. This was a blast. I- I'm tired, same as you. I'm sure they can hear it. Um, it's late, but this was this was a lot of fun, actually. I-, I was surprised that I was pretty excited throughout the entire probably 55 picks, and I, I am just feel great about how Sacramento came out with this and gives me a little bit of excitement going into, into the year. Going to brush up on a lot of film with these three guys. Man, I went into this expecting a different Tyrese to go to Sacramento. And they came away with a better one in Halliburton over Maxi. Um, yeah, I feel great about this. Uh, I know a lot of the guys the Kings Herald do and definitely keep up with the work going on at kingsherald.com and support the Patreon there. And we're going to keep giving you content on these guys and probably recap a little bit of the rest of the draft at a later point when we're able to get some sleep here. But great night. For Sacramento um, and a great first impression for Monty McNair right now in the new front office going on there so we're going to keep bringing you coverage and if you enjoyed please tune in for um, the next few episodes and everything that we keep putting out and subscribe rate and review you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days here